Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech, a safe space for women from all areas of tech to chat about their experiences in the tech world. Today, I'm joined by Saskia, CPO at Token, an open banking payments platform on a mission to drive the shift away from traditional payment methods like cards and wallets to open banking enabled A to A payments. Saskia and I discuss all things gender balance at Token and why this is really important in her current role. We also discuss the topic of hiring, attracting diverse talent, open banking as an industry, and why it's an exciting space for women to be a part of, as well as the importance of flexibility when hiring and why this is key when attracting talent. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks, Saskia, for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Uh, so yeah, tell us a bit more about yourself. Tell you who I am. Oh gosh, where do I even start? So look, I um, my name is Saskia Donald. I'm the Chief People Officer at Token. We are a specialist in account-to-account payments within the open banking ecosystem. Um, and uh, and I've been in um, HR for pretty much my entire career. Um, but I have worked through different industries. Started off in retail. I used to work for a makeup company head office, uh, which is just funny because I don't really wear makeup. Um, and then moved into um, more kind of media um, type businesses. I did a did my first start. I think my third job uh, was a, was my first startup. I've done several startups since then. Uh, was in mobile content for nearly ten years, and that was where I really kind of um, learned to work internationally because I had companies um all over the place so I used to travel a lot um and then and now uh, and now in fintech um which I'm really enjoying um wasn't quite sure I was going to I thought it might be a bit too too um I thought it might be dull and it's not it's super exciting loving it oh I love that I love that and you touched briefly on it um so far in terms of you know working in retail I mean, tell us how you got to where you are now. For those who haven't followed your journey, yeah. you know, tell us how you are. Saskia Donald, <laughs> Chief People Officer at Token. <laughs> Why are you here? Yeah, you okay. Here? So, you know, I did um, I did HR at university. I did um, HR development technology. So it was a combination degree of, of, um, of the people side of things and the technology side of things. I knew from the get-go that's um, was a good was going to be a good combination and really the kind of focus on in my degree was around automating HR and uh, and developing kind of learning and development programs so that was something that I was kind of keen to go into um, originally and I, I went to university in Southampton I thought oh I'll do this and then I'll I'll go back and I'll join go back home to Scotland and I'll join Marks and Spencer's graduate program um, it used to be called personnel. It was one of the options in their graduate program. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Marks and Spencer's and do their personnel graduate program. And that was the year that they stopped doing their graduate program oh, when no. I went to university. <laughs> so that was that little bubble burst. Um, so yeah, I finished my degree and um, came to London. Came my family had moved to London in the time that I was at university, so I came back to London and just went and got you know I I, I put on a nice skirt and went down to the city because um we uh, my mum lived in Hackney so that was the closest place to go so this was back in the day when uh, recruitment agencies on the high street was still the done thing you know and so put on a nice skirt went got on the bus went down to uh, went down to the Fenchurch street which is where all the high street recruiters used to be uh, just you know went door to door and uh, with my piece of paper cv and uh, i got a job um 
with with Revlon working for their retail sales director. So it was man, it was working with the team that were actually looking after all the 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 makeup consultants up and down the country, who are an amazing group of men and a lot of women, but an amazing group of people. The 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 stuff that they did, they were so interesting. So I was like the head office contact for that group of people. So I wasn't in their personnel department as it was still called then. I was in the retail sales department, and that really framed. I think, you know, how I actually do HR. I think I'm quite um, commercial um, and I'm always looking at, you know, what's the impact of that. And and that's because I started off working with people, but from a from a commercial perspective there. So, yeah, started doing that and then um, then went to work for Polygram. I worked for, so Polygram became part of Universal. So it was um, music um film and tv so um london records was part of polygram a&m records was part, part of polygram um and then there was um some and then they did um yeah our train spotting was one of our films um uh yeah there was some there were some really big films and some big music um stuff at the time um but that was a very uh corporate you think um wouldn't you that music companies and film and tv companies but it was very corporate. I didn't I didn't stay there for very long because I found it quite political working there. And it was all about, you know, who you who you had to really suck up to people to kind of get anything done. And I didn't enjoy that. You weren't you didn't get credit for your own work and you didn't get any there was no merit in doing well. Um so yeah, I didn't I didn't stay there very long. My job there was to um support the HR director. Uh, and the head of management development, and I was up on the I was up on the director's floor, which was amazing. So I got to work, not closely, but with uh, John Kennedy, who was the chairman of Polygram Records. He was an incredible man. He was the lawyer for Band Aid. Uh, I think he was also the lawyer for the Lady Diana Memorial Trust. Um, yeah, amazing person. And he was the one. Um, I found him quite inspirational. He was quite a shy man. He wasn't very loud and, you know, I was quite a shy man. But he said something once, we were talking about putting people through training and development and, you know, investing quite a lot of money in certain individuals. And I remember him saying, um, it doesn't matter if they're if we think they're going to leave, we should still put them on this because they'll come out of this programme and they'll come out of Polygram better than when they went in. And that's the best PR for us as an organization they'll go speaking nothing but good things of us if we don't put them on this they'll leave anyway and be really like grumpy about us if we put them on this program they'll leave and talk nothing but good stuff about us and that's good um and i remember finding that really like inspiring like yeah that's the way you should treat people they're not a commodity they're going to leave at some point treat them well while they're there and that will do you well as a business in the long run um yeah so after that I went and did um a startup with some friends um corporate concierge and lifestyle management business that was my first startup um they still exist although they've been up and down they were listed on the London Stock Exchange a few years ago um and that's um that's an amazing business and I was very very excited to join them I mean it was literally a cupboard under the stairs when it started and uh, when I joined, we were in a building with kind of rooms all over the place. So we weren't weren't even in a proper office. It was it was proper startup fun. Um, and uh, I learned a lot there because 
<clears throat> because I was heading up HR, I was their HR manager. Um, and um, I'd had, uh, oh, there was another job in between then where I'd, I'd, where I'd worked in TV. And they'd, I, I'd, I had a wonderful woman working, I uh, was working for there, but she, she wasn't a, uh, let's she wasn't she'd kind of come to hr through the managing um pas and and the kind of recruitment side of things she wasn't an hr specialist and so i'd learned hr i'd been i'd had quite kind of um scrappy roles and and a kind of scrappy training it was very hands on and of course i'd done the theory at university but i wasn't doing anything in terms of kind of programs it was very kind of hands on and very um uh, tactical work so then when I went to 10 and I was their HR manager I was having to plan programs and work on how we, you know and the strategy and roll stuff out and I hadn't really done that before uh, I hadn't been trained to do that very well so I was kind of making stuff up as I went along and and that um, that's that was great because I, I learned to make mistakes and you know not and not that doesn't need to stop you just because you've made a mistake. You don't stop and go, oh, that's it. I can't do it anymore. It's like, okay, made a mistake. Um, you know, what do we do about that? And how do we how do we move on from there? So, you know, baptism by fire, um, but also incredibly great learning experience. Um, and then, yeah, from there went on to, I think I said mobile content. So that was where I started working internationally. So I started looking after 50 people in the UK and then I think we bought a business in the Netherlands after maybe a year or so. It was like, yeah, go and look after the Netherlands. They're close to the UK. It's like, yeah, but they speak Dutch and I don't speak Dutch. And yeah, they have completely different um, laws. <laughs> I don't know anything about that, but yeah, sure. Um, and then it was, uh, we're going to open an office in Miami. They speak English. You can do that. Um, okay. Um, so I just, and it, and it just kind of grew and grew from there. At one point we bought a business that was almost the same size as us, but they had quite a different geographic, um, spread. So I inherited countries like Finland, Nigeria, Australia, India, um, kind of overnight and spent three years pretty much on the road, uh, working out what we were going to do with all of those businesses. Wow. South Africa was a real favorite. India was a real favorite. Um, and that was great because I worked hand in hand with my regional MD and my um, regional CFO. And we would, you know, work on the strategy of these businesses, whether we were keeping them, whether we were, um, um, you know, keeping them branded as they were then, whether we were integrating them with our centralized kind of global business um, and, and, and moving, relocating people around from one office to another to, you know, if they had a particularly great product, but just in one country, moving some of those people over to the head office or to the regional head office to then, you know, grow that product um, uh, internationally. It was really exciting times, very tiring, a lot of time on a plane. I went to Australia for four days once. That was not good on the old um, body clock. Um, so, so really, <laughs> really good fun. Uh, and again, lear just learned so much about working with different cultures, different um, different work cultures. We talk about different working with different cultures, and we we understand what that means in terms of you know the uh, individuals and where they come from and the cultures that they bring um, from that perspective. But work cultures incredibly different in different countries and in different territories, and I learned so much from from that job around that which has stood me in good stead ever since so yeah I think I think oh, that covers most I of it that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, your role now, yeah. Token, uh, as a company. Yes. Um, tell us a bit more about it. What's your role at yeah. Token? How is it going? You know, your journey. Yeah. Tell us a bit more yeah. about so that. So I joined Token after a stint um, uh, abroad. I was doing sports betting and gaming out in, uh, in Gibraltar, another startup. I'm addicted to them. Um, and I joined Token actually because they wanted to come out of their startup phase and into their scale up phase, which is, uh, you know, always an interesting time in a business. Um, Token, uh, as I said at the top, uh, we focus on account to account payments. So open banking is really about um, using regulation that originally came from European Union and using regulation from that where they've they've basically said to the banks you need to be able to um, work better for consumers and allow consumers to move their money from one country to another it's all the euro um so but the banking standards in different countries across europe are very different so the psd2 legislation was really all about enabling um banks to to work together more easily for the benefit of consumers and there's been lots of other stuff that that's come from that and that's really what open banking is all about moving towards kind of open finance across europe and we focus on account to account payments so that's allowing you to send um money from one bank account to another it sounds so simple doesn't it but when you're going across territories it can be quite difficult um and when you when you make a payment now um from let's say um you know, your with your bank card, that's often the payment itself is often powered by, um, let's say, Mastercard or Visa, one of those, or or Amex or or anybody else that powers payments with with debit cards or credit cards, um, and so you think it's your bank sending the money to the other to the retailer's bank or the the merchant's bank, and it's often not powered by somebody else. They can be powered by several people along that journey. You know, when you return something and they say to a shop and they say that would take seven to 10 days for it, for it to hit your account. I always thought cheeky things. I've given them the product back. Give me my money. Well, they've probably sent it, but depending on who they bank with, yeah. who you bank with and who's involved in the process, it can genuinely take that long for it to hit your bank. So it's all about, um, uh, speeding that process up. So I joined, um, 18 months, nearly, oh no, it's nearly two years ago now, um, to work with, uh, the, the management team, the exec team at Token, to kind of, um, as I said, get us out of this kind of startup phase and, and really to scale up. So we raised $40 million last year, Series C, uh, and that was with the intention of scaling up. So we've 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 outsourced, um, historically, we've outsourced quite a lot of our tech um, team um, and, and been able to flex with that. We wanted to insource the core team. We had a core team, but we wanted to grow that. So we've used um, uh, uh, that, that raise to really, um, grow and um, stabilize internally kind of, you know, our, our core teams, widen our core teams in tech, for sure, in engineering, in product. Um, uh, also, you know, areas like compliance and infosec. Um, uh, and, and really, I think pretty much every team across the business has had um, additional, additional headcount. And that's allowed us to um, really step up in terms of our, in terms of our delivery, in terms of how we work with our customers. Our customers are are usually um, big payments um, uh, providers, banks, um, kind of tier one merchants, let's say. 
And so you want to be able to work across those. Those are really big businesses. You want to work across those businesses and not just have single single points of contact. So that's allowed us to start um, to, to start widening our offering from that perspective as well. My job is everything to do with people and culture. So obviously we've been doing a lot of recruitment in the last uh, 12 months, um, but it's also about um, enabling um, that team to grow well. It's not just about getting people on board and the right people on board. It's also about designing what the roles are going to look like with with the, the hiring managers, making sure that we've got the right um, uh, um, tools for everybody so that no, once you've, there's no point hiring somebody fabulous and then they come on board and they can't actually do what they need to do. So making sure that the yeah. structure, <laughs> the tools, everything is um, uh, is in place there. And then, and then, really working on our strategy for you know hiring those people and then keeping them with the business for as you know as long as um is right for everybody concerned so we want to have a a couple we, we want to grow those people we want that um kind of core team that we have now to to really be the people that are going to grow the the next stage of the business and and for that you need to enable them to do their jobs and you also need to offer them growth and development in, in doing that as well so that's kind of where we're at now it's all around looking at that growth and development for individuals and teams uh, and making sure that we're organized properly from an organization structure and uh, and, and tools perspective and culture is just hugely important for all of that it's it's hugely important for attracting people in the first place but it's 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 number one really in terms of why people stay with a business. If they enjoy being there, if they're getting what's important for them out of out of your business, if they're if if they um if they feel enabled um to grow and to 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 um further their career, then they'll stay with you. Um if not, then they won't last long. For some businesses, they feel that that's okay, you know, they, to have that. It's always good to have a certain level of turnover, um, but we're less than 100 people. So these people that we've hired over the last uh, 12 months or so, we really want to stay with the business for, for the foreseeable future. So that's my job now. That's my focus. Yeah, no, I, I really couldn't agree more. I think culture is something which a lot of companies really, I don't want to say underestimate, but I think it's it's one of those things which if you don't get it right, it's very, very hard to correct all the other things or correct all the mistakes that you've made or you know I think there's a saying that we go by at Impala and we say culture eats strategy yes. for breakfast yes, I've um, heard that. and without the yeah yeah I think without anything else it's super super hard to get um everything kind of in culture place. underpins everything so it's culture is the way that we do things um and it underpins everything if your culture isn't the right one or if you say your culture is something but then you do something different then people um they they that's where the lack of trust comes in because if you say you're doing something and then you're doing something different then people people can see the gap straight away and they think well if there's a gap there where else is there a gap and and so you start um um you start um creating mistrust without even realizing you're doing it and as soon as that starts seeping in, people will start to leave your business. It's as simple as. Um, so culture is the way that we do things. And at Token, we believe in being as transparent as possible. And we want to be called out. If people see things that don't quite fit, um, it's really important that people vocalize that and say, hey, this happened. I'm just not sure how that fits. It doesn't seem like a very Token thing. And, and so we can either say, oh, gosh, Let's get that sorted. 
or actually this is why and this is how it fits and this is why it's important um just always keep people in, involved in that conversation culture changes culture grows it's not a this is what we are and that's it it's set in stone it it evolves and it evolves because of the people that you bring in and 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 they are a part of the culture and and their way of doing things which is why it's so important that you're kind of uh, and we are at token very outward and transparent about you know these are our values this is who we aim to be this is who we think we are and this is what we want to keep doing and that under that should underpin everything yeah yeah i think a really really hot topic right now for most people that i'm speaking with in my role of course i help companies find engineers but a lot of it is about the gender split how can we achieve that gender balance how do we actually get that in the teams so i know that we've spoken about it before but i think what i'm super interested about is the gender split token because i think it's such a huge thing to kind of shout about um but just in general you know before we even get onto that gender split what does it mean for you and i guess why is it important in your role as kind of chief people officer token what does it actually mean to you yeah, I think that it's quite easy to get hung up on the numbers. And I think a lot of companies set themselves a target, a goal. This is all good. Um, I'm not saying that that's the wrong thing to do. But for me, I think there are more, uh, I, I prefer to focus on on different things. So at Token currently, our gender split is uh, 70 male, um, 30 female. It's not great. It's nothing to write home about. Um, but I felt that rather than focus on the split, I felt it was more important that we um, really looked at having women representation and having women in particular represented across the business. Because then you've actually got something to build on. If you're just focused on the number and it being 50-50, let's say, then you'll, you'll end up with whole teams of um, women and whole teams of men and your number looks good but actually you don't have a good representation across the business and for me that's as important as the number that you're aiming for so we are in a very fortunate position that we have uh, female representation in almost every team not every team sales sre i'm coming for you next um but um but we have um, we have female representation in most teams across the business. And that means that when we talk about, um, you know, girls in tech, uh, um, females in fintech, we, we can we can talk to people across the business, not just in finance, not just in um, HR, not just in um, marketing, not just in customer support um, uh, and not with, you know, uh, a, a token lady engineer um although i know you were that for a long time we love you for it um so um it's it's really important you know i've got i, I have got um ladies in engineering i have got um ladies in infosec i have got ladies in compliance i have got ladies in finance and marketing and the people team and we have teams that have got 50 50 split um which is amazing um but for me yeah really the the gender ratio the gender split it's more important i think in having representation across the business than just focusing on the number because the number doesn't tell the real story i feel yeah. 
And the numbers will always change, right? You know, there's no point having and shouting about these numbers. And then, for example, the next month, they completely drop. Um, so I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of companies, you know, shout about gender balanced and, and kind of, you know, being inclusive. Uh, but all the females are in one aspect of the company, you know, and I think that's not that's not a good reputation of what gender split and gender balance should actually look like. Well, I think it's important that you do what's right for your business. For yeah, our agreed. business, we felt it was right to have people, um, you know, to have to have females represented across the business. So that's what we've gone with. Um, and now I feel like we have a, a we have a base level. We have a baseline yeah. on which to build. L- listen, there is nothing more powerful for encouraging women to join your business than when they get the opportunity to speak to another female at interview. Yeah, agreed. It doesn't matter. You can you can tell somebody, oh, our gender split is, you know, something amazing, great. But then they don't see a woman when, they don't see another woman when they come through the interview process. It's yeah. just, then it's just a number. Um, whereas in our business, you are more likely to meet um, somebody female in the recruitment process because they are spread out across the business. And that's really powerful. And that's what um, encourages people to join. You know, they, they, the fact that they might have a, a, that's what encourages women to join. They might have a female boss. Um, they, they see, they meet other females during the interview process. They see females talking about our business um, within the industry press, at conferences. You know, we, they, they see themselves represented yeah. within our business. It is yeah. that simple. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, going, imagine like saying you have a, you know, great agenda diversity and whatnot, and you go through the entire process and you, you don't see any females. How do you actually imagine yourself being at that company if you can't yeah. see yourself there? So yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. 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 And, you- and yeah, that's, that's the trick. It's literally, you know, be, be the, be, be, be the company you want to, you want to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what I love in terms of, you know, what you mentioned about gender split, I, I love what you said. Uh, and how do you think you've achieved this? How do you think you've attracted these women in the first place? How do you think you've done this? And what were the tips that you would be to kind of give to people who are looking to achieve the same thing? Yeah, I think um, for us, and I've mentioned it already, but I think transparency with us is really key. We are very open and honest about who we are because we're very open and honest about what we have still to achieve. Um, so, and, and I think that is a big part of our culture. I think we, we have, we, it has been said that we are too open. We're too transparent sometimes, (laughs) but we feel it's the way to be. So, and that's a big part of our culture. So I think that has, um, uh, I think that really comes across, um, uh, especially at interview stage. And I think also because we're very vocal about what we do, we're we're trying to build a business, but we're also trying to build an industry, right? Um, open banking is new; it's um, it's still at infancy, if you like, <clears throat> and so we have the opportunity to be disruptors within the space, and that's that's attractive. Um, I think that you know, financial services and technology companies both have had um, quite um, you know let's say have been seen as real kind of bro companies right but yeah. bro industry <laughs> I, love that. <laughs> um, I think open banking is attractive for women because it is such a disruptor um uh and you know there there are a lot of 
there are a lot of women in the space already and they're visible. So it's all very well having lots of women in the space, but if they're not visible, I mean, the, 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 the head of the open banking, the industry kind of body was female until, um, yeah. and, and so, you know, all, it the, it sets the tone from the get go, right? So as soon as you start looking, what is this open banking? You start seeing women. It's like okay, it's a good place to be as a as a female. So I think the space is seen as disruptive. Um, I think there are there there have been women visible in it from the from the get go. Um, I think the other I think the other thing is that it's really nice to join an industry where you are making a difference. Now, we're not, saving lives. we're not saving lives. We're not doing anything, um, you know, remotely worthy in, in that sense. But open banking is all about democratizing and making um, the, the payment space fairer, faster and safer for the consumer and cheaper for merchants. And it's nice to join a space and join an industry where you feel like you're doing something worthy, even if it's at a, at a um, you know, particularly a particular level. Um, and I think that attracts women. They want to know that they're making a difference in whichever part of the of the business they're working. So that really helps in terms of attracting people as well. Um we also offer, we've always been remote first. Even before the pandemic, we were remote first. Um, we have colleagues in um, Scotland, um, Devon, um, uh, different parts of Germany, Canada. Uh, we, have, we have people all over the place. Um, and that's hugely important for people that they, um, and, and there's no, oh, you want to, you don't have to ask. It's, it's part of, who we are as a business. It's just the way that we do things and always have done. So offering that, uh, being remote first, yeah, I, I would say about 35% of our population are fully remote, another 50% um, hybrid. And then there's a couple of us old dinosaurs that like to come to the office most days. Um, and that just offers so much opportunity for people who may not have been able to work in a, you know, London city centric or Berlin city centric business beforehand, uh, and that 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 opens up your talent pool in terms of who you can uh, who, who you can attract. So, I have just as many men that want to do the school pickup and the school drop as I have women that want to do that, and so we're able to afford them that. Um, here at Token, you 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 build your role and you build your work time around whatever it is that you need to do on a, on a personal basis when you're working from home. Um, and it's down to you to organize that. It's down to you as an employee at Token to deliver your work. So if you need to do some of that at two o'clock in the morning because that suits you, fine. Um, yeah. Rather, you weren't doing it at two o'clock in the morning if it's not good for your health. But if that's what suits you for whatever reason, then that's okay. Um, there will be times when, you know, we need to be together. We need to be on calls at the same time. but um, it's really important that you're able to do your work in a way that suits you. You get better productivity from people if they're able to do it when they when they need and want. And if you trust people to um, to do the job and to do it well, then they usually will.
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think flexibility now is, it, it was a hot topic even before the pandemic, but I think after the pandemic, it, I think it, people got a new lease of, of or, or not a new lease of life, but they their life perspective changed on how they should work. Work-life balance is a massive topic at the moment, and it should always be, um, but I think it's changed since the pandemic because I think a lot of people had a different mindset on what their work should look like, what it should be like, and and what their future work will, should look like as well. So I'd... I'd... I challenge you to stop using the phrase work-life balance because I think that that drives um, a level of pressure to make everything work that isn't realistic. I prefer to use the phrase work-life harmony. It's about your work life and your and your home life, your personal life, coexisting well. And that isn't the same for everybody. And it doesn't mean I work eight hours and I'm at home eight hours, that's balance, right? Where everything's equal, but that's just not realistic. Harmony is more important. Getting them to coexist well um, is something that I would challenge everybody to to kind of focus on because when you are more realistic about what's achievable, um, then you're more likely to achieve it, right? Um, yeah, yeah and, I agree. And the work hours and the, you know, it's not just about switching off at a certain time. They can They can totally overlap. You know, I'm I'm working from home today. I was at the kitchen table at 8 a.m. and logged in and doing stuff, but I had already put a load of washing on. Um, it's the Easter holiday, so I didn't have to do the school run. So I'd already done a load of washing. It's already hanging on the line, and I'm hoping by the end of this, it'll be dry. I mean, as a really ridiculous example to give, but you can do home stuff and work stuff at the same time. The two things can coexist. But it's about getting a level of harmony where it works for both. Yeah, um, yeah. So and I hate I, to say it, but I don't even think it's just a a, a woman thing. I think it's a family no, thing, or even no, not even no. a family. I think it's a people thing. People want that balance. People want that harmony. Harmony. They want that fit of their two worlds colliding. Absolutely. And if you want to have the flexibility to work from home, then who better to work out how to make it work than you? Um, there's no point in me having a prescribed, well, you'll need to be in the office two or three days a week. Nonsense. Then, you know, my colleague Lynn in Scotland, she comes once a month. She can't come two or three days a week. And um, my colleague Marcella in Devon can't come two or three days a week. Um, you know, Roland in Munich can't go to Berlin um, two or three days a week or whatever the prescriptive things that that companies do just keep it flexible and let the employees decide how it's going to work for the best because if you trust them if you trust them um enough to employ them then surely you can trust them that they will do the right thing by themselves and the business and we're a small team if they weren't doing that it would really stand out so it's not something that I worry about yeah, yeah, amazing. And what would you say? I think I, I, I spoke about it before. What would you say if there's a company out there looking to achieve the same split or the same balance or whatever, yeah. however you word it, what would you say? I mean, if you could give three tips, what would you say for a company looking to maybe increase their female headcount or to yeah. increase, you know, spread the females across the company? Yeah. What would you say has really helped a token? And, and if you could give any advice to anyone in your position, what would yeah. that be? Um, I think... Um... My advice would be, number one, talk to your team. Um, there's no point in dreaming up something um, without having, you know, discussed it. And some of the best ideas are going to come from, you know, some 
somebody sitting in a corner, nothing to do with, you know, the 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 people strategy side of things, who'll have some amazing idea that, and also because they understand your business. So talk to your team and say, we want to get more um, females in the business. Where do we think um, that that females are going to be most attracted to, um, and and where do we think we have more of an issue and and what what should we be doing about it and and just talk to staff why do you think we don't get enough females applying ask the men don't just ask the women ask the men they yeah. you know, they'll look, yeah. they know just as well um it could be because you're strict about the number of days or the amount of time people have to spend in the office it could be because you don't have good family friendly policies again the the family stuff isn't all focused on women but agreed um, but it but it does but it is a good indicator on whether you're female friendly actually so whilst family focused policies are shouldn't be aimed at women they should be aimed at everybody equally um they are a good indicator of whether you take female issues seriously so um you know what 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 are you doing now that isn't that's stopping um females being attracted to you so whether that's flexible working be that being um you know um cognizant of female issues and how they how they affect um how they're affected in the workplace um also by being um you know interesting for women you know women are interested in tech i love that yeah like yeah (laughs) women are interested in tech but there's a way of putting it across there's a way of doing it that is more interesting to women um so what does that look like for your business I I just think you know talk to your staff really think about what it is you're trying to achieve as a business from a cultural perspective and and whether that would be interesting for women and and if you and if your staff haven't got um enough ideas for you you know go out and find groups of people to talk to you know who's doing um you know speak to recruiters like yourself Shade. you know ask for honest feedback this is our this is our employee offering this is this is our employee brand this is what we offer what are we missing and uh you know Shade, go and find me you know other companies in our space that are doing something better and and you know come back and tell me what it is use networks i mean come on if you're not as a if you're in a tech if you're in the tech space and you are not already plugged into you know any of the girls in tech um kind of um groups and movements then then what what are you even doing um and and that doesn't need to be a people team thing right i mean the, the the ceos the ctos should be plugged in there as well um also get your message across about uh you know so again with all these kind of networking groups go and ask to speak to them and do talks host host um host meetups tech meetups that are female focused invite them in so that they can see what you're all about and ask them what it is they're looking for it's gonna i just i just think that we've lost a lot of companies have lost their way of just going and saying we're not doing this well enough you know yeah. we want to get better what do you think we should be doing just go and ask go and talk to people um but be really clear about what it is you're trying to achieve as a business 
If it is a certain number, then think about how you can achieve that number and focus on that. If it is a spread of people across the organization uh, and representation, then think about what your what your offering is um, and and think about how you make it more female friendly or female focused. Um, but yeah, talk to people, find out what you're doing wrong. You need to do that first. Otherwise, if you just go at it and haven't fixed what's stopping people being attracted to you in the first place, you're, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. There's no point setting out a plan and not actually doing any research behind it, right? You have to actually figure out what it, what is the problem? How can I go about it? And kind of what are the next steps? So yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, well that, thank you so much for joining me today Saskia I really appreciate your time your efforts and I really I, I'm so sure that everyone's going to love this episode because I think it's so key to actually see you know how have you achieved it and how can we do the same so thank you so so much for joining us today thank you Shadi and well done for doing this I think this is a great um I think this is a great topic to discuss with people. And um, I just think it's really good for women to give back. I think, um, you know, younger women wanting to move into industries like ours and wanting to be in tech, you know, how do they learn the best way forward? Well, it's to learn from people that have gone there before. So thank you for sharing this with everyone.